You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, this week, we are doing another suburb update. We're on a series here. I'm on a roll. We've gone as far west as you can in Western Australia, and we're into the broader Fremantle region. I've decided to bring Nathan Hewitt back into the hot seat. It's been four years to the month. Nathan, our number one agent from North Fremantle, gave us that review in February 2020. You're back here again in 2024. Thanks for coming in, mate. My pleasure, Trent. Can't believe it's been four years and uh, 2020, how much has changed? So. Well, well, the first thing we can talk about is prices. Everyone wants to know how a price has changed, and I think then we'll start providing some stories as we like to do and a bit of an update as to the economic development of the Fremantle area and the surrounding suburbs. How does that relationship between North Fremantle sit with, for example, Mosman Park, South Frio, White Gum Valley, East Frio, Fremantle? Most people in the world like to circle around a five kilometre radius from where they grew up and therefore I'd like to hear a bit of story. And we can look at the data too about how these suburbs are competing with each other over the time. Now, four years ago, the median house price you revealed to us through Rewalt was? Yeah, 1.15 million and is now 1.7 million. 48%. Which is absolutely amazing. I certainly wouldn't have sat here four years ago and anticipated that growth. So WA has experienced an absolute change over that four years and we've been watching it happen with almost disbelief of over 30 years in the industry. But we've seen these growth cycles before. We were well overdue. Our cycles had been completely out of whack with the rest of Australia. There's so many fundamentals behind the WA market. I still believe it's got a long way to go, even though it's hard to to fathom where that's going to be. So you're specifically talking about North Frio with us today and the Frio area. Do you believe that the Frio area itself has a long way to go in terms of its affordability cap? Because that theme really hasn't been about economic activity. We nearly take that for granted the last few years. It's affordability that seems to be limiting in certain areas and unleashing in other areas the growth of the suburb itself. Now, North Fro is not a cheap suburb, especially not these days at 1.7 mil. We've seen other suburbs that I'm sure we'll talk about in more detail with number one agents in those areas in the future. For example, between Perth and City Beach, there's been a bit of a limiting, to be frank, on affordability yep. in that mid one space. You're not seeing that dynamic come in your part of town? No, not specifically. And I think this is a a mindset that we've all got. The last big change in the market to me was in 06, 07. A lot of people comment about 2014. I really didn't see much happening there at all on any significant level. It was probably where the cliff was, where it may have plateaued for a while. And you noticed 2014, 15 as that year where it started to drop. Yeah, well, that's really where the mining started to downturn. Prior to that, it was really all almost circumstantial and following the herd off the back of GFC and uh, and other factors that were going on globally and, and within Australia. Once mining downturned, we had then an extended period of flat market. Really, we, we've endured 12 years from really 2008 through to 2019. January 2020, we're getting a lot of professionals coming off the back of that, which are coming into these better or more expensive areas which are seen to have this upper limit, which is what we started talking about. But now, you know, the the people coming out of the western suburbs or even from Sydney and Melbourne are still coming over here and going, this is cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, we get, we're selling uh, a home in terms of size, probably a third to half in Melbourne for 
two, three, four, five million coming over here, buying a home that's two or three times bigger in a very, very good location and putting a million dollars in their pocket. You know, so they're thinking this is the best thing since sliced bread. So you're seeing that specifically in terms of the people that are buying off of you, you're seeing quite a few people coming across from the East Coast and going Fremantle is a destination for us. Certainly Fremantle, it's got that character heritage side of it, which people love, it's right on the coast. So where it's probably suffered for quite a while, there's the local government in there that weren't overly proactive. And so there's been a lot of activity being pushed into the Fremantle in particular market. Tradam's gone in there to the West End, tidied all that up. We've had a lot of redevelopment, particularly on the entry, which is that basically from the old traffic bridge down into Fremantle proper. So all that sort of entry statement into Fremantle has grown and changed. And so all of a sudden, uh, the FOMO building right in the centre has brought government employees into the Fremantle. All of a sudden, the heritage is there the activity comes in, economic growth starts happening, and then property development starts following as well. Well, let's talk about that property development because obviously there's been some work done in the Leighton Beach area of North mm. Fremantle, but it seems to be every bigwig financially in Western Australia who has some level of interest in property, whether it's their direct work or they've just got enough money to put some money somewhere, seems to have a project mooted or starting or in planning or design around Fremantle over the last few years. It seems to be the cool thing that's come back. You know, you think about Gage Roads coming in, Andrew Forrest has got money in there. We have a few apartment developments coming through, renovation, heritage buildings that have, that have been purchased recently on around that West End itself. I've always seen the city of Fremantle as a fairly risky place to look to do development simply because of a lot of the uh, peculiar heritage properties around town. But it seems like there is a view that Fremantle's having a resurgence in terms of the amount of demand going back in there. Because let's be frank, early 2010s, place was a dump in terms mm. of the city. There's homelessness everywhere. Yep. Even only three or four years ago, we had a tent city out in front of the train station. It seems to now be having that economic resurgence that I'm assuming, talking about property in a place like North Fremantle, it is starting to flow on into property prices. The bridge itself, obviously, renovation happening on that as well. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That um, should be going ahead soon. It's had a lot of resistance locally. I think they've eventually got it looking really good and, and right, which is essentially a replacement of what's there in terms of its location. That's actually going to interestingly raise the height of that bridge, which is going to let some bigger vessels in underneath, which will you know be good for the marinas and harbours locally in North Fremantle and, and the Fremantle area. There's a lot happening in and around Fremantle with development, redevelopment, right up on Nutsford Precinct, which is up on top of the back of Fremantle there. That's all being you know, pushed along. Uh, but really that greater Fremantle, which is from an agency perspective, is where we sit. We get a greater view from North Rio right down to Applecross and right down to you know the southern suburbs of Fremantle, Spearwoods, Port Coogees, you know, that, that itself, Port Coogee, I've just got a property on the market there, 67 Caledonia, that's going to be around $4.5 million with a view into the harbour. Beautiful coastline that if you stand back and look at that area and think, why hasn't this been developed earlier? I mean, even the land that's sitting just south of Leighton Beach, the apartments at the moment between Tideman Road and the harbour, uh, that will be the next piece of land to happen in- intimately within North Fremantle. It's a big chunk of land there. It's right on the pristine waters and sandy beaches. If you came in from Sydney or you know, any of these major cities around the world, 
you would be seeing why is this land still sitting here with bushes on it? Mm. It just seems crazy. So You referenced the rest of the suburbs in that Fremantle area, and as we spoke about, they all do compete for the demand coming into the area. Yes. Right? If you're not buying an East Fremantle, you might be buying a North Fremantle or South Fremantle. Yes. One thing I do note on Rewa statistics is that every single suburb, North Fremantle, East Fremantle, Fremantle proper, even White Gum Valley, Mosman Park, have all done well in the last few years. None as much as it seems as North Fremantle. However, South Fremantle last year dropped about 11%. Is there any reason why you'd think there'd be a little bit of a shift? Has it overshot, for example, like a Subiaco or Woodlands and Maylands in the last few years and maybe it's just settling a little bit? Yeah, I think the it was a real hot spot there for two or three years straight. So I think it just overshot probably not so much the outer areas like you mentioned, but within that greater Fremantle it became very expensive within those areas to where people were then, it's that ripple effect, again, where people would say, well, look, I'll go to White Gum Valley, I'll go to Beaconsfield, I'll go to South Beach Estate, North Coogee, you know, I'll push back into the back end of Fremantle or East Fremantle. So it all has that push and shove within those areas and people will look at value and think, well, for that, you know, price difference, I'll go out a little bit and then that grows, they come back in again. Rents have obviously skyrocketed across Western Australia, and this isn't a unique story in North Fremantle, but last year rental growth was 19% in the suburb. We're seeing a median rental price now of just over 900 bucks a week. Four years ago, I'm assuming that would have been 600s. Absolutely. For a home in that middle band of, of sort of average home in North Fremantle, you would have been six, seven hundred. Anything of any reasonable quality will be, you know, at least nine hundred, if not a thousand, or just over. Mm. And the apartments, you know, say Leighton, for example, um, I had a, a client down there the other day told me they were getting seven hundred dollars a week for a one-bedroom unit in Leighton. That is just phenomenal rent for what we typically used to. Again, it's that hot spot. I always say to people, it's like a melting pot in North Fremantle, in particular. You get a lot of the southern suburbs pushing to get to that coast, get to the sort of western suburb. Get close to Mosman Park, Cottesloe. Yeah, get to those schools and the train line, whereas it's still seen a little bit as the cheap option of the western suburbs. So the Mosman Park, the uh, Cottesloes, Pepe Groves, kids in particular, or a lot of families, a lot of people my age in that sort of 40 to 50 bracket are buying now into North Freo. They're looking at what they have to pay in those classical western suburbs areas and going, why are we paying this much money? Let's go over here and we get twice the house and good value. You did mention to me off air though that you're starting to see those price ceilings that you mentioned at $2 million mark has been a price ceiling in North Fremantle for a long time yep. and that you're starting to burst through that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, going back in again, 06, 07, there was a few homes we'd sold up around the 3 million mark that were big homes, but they didn't have a view. There was definitely a ceiling there of North Fremantle of you know, around 2 million. The average home in there, we looked at the medium, was 115, 900 to 1.2. That home is now 1.7. So the 2 million is now well and truly forgotten about. To go and spend $2 million North from Annual is not overspending by any means. If you're going to go and buy any sort of level of quality location or home, you're going to be at least 2.3, if not 2.5. But we haven't probably seen either a lot of stock available or a lot of growth at that very high end, the very pointy end, sort of that four to five million on the sort of bigger homes on the on the river edge with the views. Whereas you go around to Minham Cove, you go around to Mozzie Park, you go around to um, any of those suburbs. That's and you're standard probably, price, yeah. You, you, they're a very standard price. You know, two and a half million in Mozzie Park is, you know, that's where you start for a family home in there. When we spoke four years ago, you referenced the opportunity to renovate some cottages. Mm. 
the old really historical heritage cottages mm. that are 100 years old. Have you seen much of that? A theme to the conversation we've had in the last month across the suburbs we've featured really has looked into the opportunity for innovation in a growing market, which is the only time that I specifically see renovation yeah. being yeah. a risk-mitigated option for property investment. Yep. I would have thought with the heritage buildings available in, in North Fro and the conversation we had four years ago that you've seen a bit of money made in that space. Not as much as you would think, not as much activity. Obviously, the building costs have been a significant hindrance for all sorts of building and, and development renovation. But yeah, they're classic cottages that have a lot have been done in the 80s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, you know, are now very dated. Those back extensions are getting knocked over, redone, or just the if you can find a cottage that hasn't had much done to it, then added to, and uh, and they are very, very popular. So what, again, was a ceiling where you were buying at, you know, 1.2, you're probably spending half a million on a build or a renovation, you were sort of getting to that two million cost, and there really wasn't really that growth. But now you're going to spend, you know, at least two and a half to get into a sort of good quality uh, renovation there. McCabe Street seems to be the boiling pot for the apartment developments that are mooted or underway or should have already been underway. Yes. What's going on there? I'm sure you speak to the developers looking to get a few listings. Yep. What is or isn't happening on McCabe Street right now? McCabe Street has the Tasker's development, which is all completed and seeing quite a reasonable amount of resales in there. It's a quite a big development. We've seen growth on the price in the resales? We have seen growth, yep. There was original bit of a dip and then it's sort of come back. Megara have got a beautiful development there just in behind Tasker's Sarai that is now turning earth. They've been hit with the process of you know, finding new builders and repricing and when they're now moving. So that's all happening. The two big sites on the front, which is One Steel, the old One Steel site and the uh, Matilda Bay Brewery, uh, a lot of noise coming out of there, but again, you know, you drive past those buildings and think, how can these things still be standing in this location? So with that upward swing in the market, there's certainly been a lot more activity. The offset has been the building costs. Well, I think about the holding costs for those two big sites you just mentioned there on the highway. They both paid around 40 million bucks for these yeah. sites. If you had a loan on that, we're talking serious interest payments <laughs> yeah. per month, right? Yeah. And I'd like to think they've been owned for a few years now. The thing that concerns me is that they've paid a lot of money for these sites. They're paying a lot in interest, if not cash, coming from somewhere else. And since they've purchased, obviously, construction costs have gone through the roof. Now, it's not a secret that nearly all of the apartment developments that were mooted in Perth over the last few years just don't even come close to stacking up anymore. Yep. We're probably still a few years of price growth across the market away from these projects stacking up now because one thing we do know is construction costs will not go down mm. anytime soon. In fact, they will not be going down in the future. So the only way to make these projects stack up is significant price rises for the substitutable products being yep. the houses in the area. Now, we've yep. seen 48% growth in the last four years in North Fremantle, but I would expect given the prices they've paid for this land in the last few years, there's still quite a bit of price rises required before these guys get off their bums. Yeah, I agree, Trent, absolutely. The housing stock to the apartment stock, as we all know, is incredibly different. You know, I get asked repeatedly, how can you go and pay $3 million for a moorings apartment in North Rio, which is a fabulous development on the water with your own boat pen, as compared to buying a home for the same sort of money. Look, it is what it is, but I think the unit prices have certainly not grown anywhere near as the house prices have in that area. So a little bit of disparity still there in terms of that general comment of growth. I always find that apartment prices only grow as a compromise to the fully detached house. So unless the fully detached house becomes unaffordable or the buyer can't see value in that price, then the apartment price isn't going to come up 
on its own. It only comes up as a compromise to the fully detached house with land that you would have preferred to have lived in. That's the absolute logic, and it's probably the case in a lot of areas. But I think these coastal, inner, older suburbs are bucking that trend. You look at the Blackburn development on Stirling Highway. The Grove. The Grove, the prices they are achieving there. And his model, from what I understand, is uh, focusing on the downsizers. So their baby boomer size of that market where they're living in these large homes with no one in them, no kids in them, and they're saying, well, okay, look, I can hang in here for another year or two or five, but I just don't want to be looking after this home anymore. I can go and buy this beautiful apartment in my suburb around the corner, and we're not seeing what you probably were 10, 15, 20 years ago where they were selling their the family home and putting a significant amount of money into super or their pocket. They're now basically walking out of the family home and spending that money in an apartment. So those apartment prices are uh, in disparity to the, the family homes or the single detached homes don't seem to have the logic as you just mentioned. Mm, well, that is the magic of Blackburn that most people don't <laughs> yeah. seem to be able to conjure up. When we think about the selling profile, who are your sellers at the moment? We're seeing a whole range. But Why yeah, are they selling? They're upsizing and downsizing. That would be the primary thing. Or not renovating. You know, If they can find something to move into that doesn't have the complexity and the time and the effort and the unknown of renovating and, and building costs, they'll walk into something and buy it and, and make it very easy. We've had two or three specific examples of that within the suburb. And what does your buyer look like right now? And there's very little low-end stock. Your absolute entry point's about 300000 into a bed seat. And there's only one complex in the in the suburb that's Harvest Heights on Harvest Road. And then you really jump out through to about 700000 So there's not much first-home buyer. There's some first-home buyers who are you know, usually sponsored by mum and dad, family money, but they're typically starting around that seven. Otherwise, there's second, second and third home buyers or people coming through. Probably again that 40 to 50 range where they're they're buying, you know, sitting there on good incomes, perfect home for uh, what they want, and that can be, you know, over two million easily. So four years, 48 percent price rise in the area. I would expect that you've seen a bit of a shift in the demographic. People who can afford 1.1 are probably a little bit different to the people who can afford 1.7 on average these days. Have you seen much of that happening? Has there been a changing of the guard? Yeah, absolutely. There's certainly a you know the generation gap and the baby boomers. Uh, it was a working class suburb many years ago and people still remember that, funnily enough. They're almost gone. You know, really, there's still a few around and they're great people. But that middle aged, in high income uh, is becoming the norm. So that's the big demographic change in the suburb. Luckily, f- I think North Fremantle has a great community spirit and a great community vibe. It's a really lovely type of person in there. Very friendly, open. They don't have the big front wall, the big front gate. It's a very inclusive sort of suburb. Probably a little bit different from the western suburbs in the main, but it's a, a lovely place to live. Got beautiful surrounds, the river walkways. It's a very small suburb, so it's very eclectic and very close community. So you don't get away with too much in there. We'll be speaking in a couple of years, Nathan. I'd like to know a bit of a punt from you. 1.7 is the median at the moment. Where will it be in two years? Really hard question, uh, but I'm pretty bullish at the moment. You know, I always like to think about five years ahead. I think that's very, very difficult to do these days. I think six months to 12 months, but my bet on two years would be at least 2.2. Very big calls. Uh, that's what we have people in here for, the honest view, and we'll be measuring that just like we <laughs> measure all my calls as well. Nathan Hewitt from Yard, thank you very much for coming in, mate. It's great to get an update on that Frio region, and I look forward myself to seeing which suburb we're going to feature next. Yeah, great. Thanks, Trent. You do a great job. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au 
subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!